KG, and this is not safe for networks. Montucky skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How's it going, Brandon? It's just wonderful out today. <laughs> it's been a slow drizzle all day. Yeah, it's supposed to continue all the way through the weekend. Yeah, I can't complain too much about this. It's not weather that necessarily pisses me off. Maybe it's the Oregonian in me, but... <laughs> I don't mind the rain so much, but like... I just wish it would work out on the days of the week better where yeah <laughs> yeah cause... no you're right because the the days that i worked it was like tuesday and wednesday like monday it was raining tuesday and wednesday it was fucking beautiful and now i got today off and tomorrow off and it's been raining all day so you gotta you got a good point there <laughs> But we didn't come here to talk about the weather. We came here to talk about useless pop culture. <laughs> By the way, weather's kind of useless, <laughs> especially for... It's overrated. Yeah. It is the worst small talk. It really is. It's a small talk that everybody can get behind, so everybody brings it up, but it's just... Yeah, everybody. Everybody dealt with it all the way to work. Everybody dealt with it all day. Everybody know what knows what's going on. It's always like, I hope, or this is really nice, but it's not anything you can do anything about. <laughs> but um, let's start out talking about a couple of shows that are canceled, coming up, blah, 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 renewed. Um, I didn't do like a whole list. There's a whole list coming down. And I started looking at it. I was like, this is a lot. We don't need to. So I just grabbed some things that I was interested in. So uh, we talked on the Facebook Live video, which if you guys didn't catch it live last week, just like the Not Safer Network page on Facebook, you can still watch it. Basically did the show and answered a couple of questions that Carl had brought up. But um, he brought up that Brooklyn Nine-Nine was, uh, was canceled by Fox. So pretty quick after it was rejected by Netflix. About 30 hours passed. Yeah, it was rejected by Netflix and Hulu to get picked up, and then NBC picked it up for a 13-episode run. So what do you think about that, like the shorter run there? You a fan? Uh, I don't really care. You don't care? I, I'm Once they moved the time slot on when it was on Fox, I fell out of touch with that show and never picked it back up. So I'm glad to see it got new life, but... Yeah. Again, being on NBC, I'll probably never watch it. I do feel like in general, uh, shows just run. I think what we've been discovering time and time again is shows run better with less episodes. I just think they do. They get more time to work on the episodes that they have. And so I think you get a higher quality episode. So I don't know. We'll see if, if that pans out for this show. But I feel like in general, shows are better when they do shorter runs. So. Uh, I guess I'm a fan, having not gotten very far into Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But uh, Arrested Development, 
was picked up for another season. I think we talked a little bit about that, but it's going to be split into two chunks, just like the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And I found out why it's so that they can be considered for Emmys. Cause they're not quite done with the run, but they really like the, the front eight that they have for both shows. So they're dropping them right before the deadline so that they can submit some episodes for Emmys. Cause as Zach has explained a couple of times on the show, they don't like submit a series. They submit an episode yeah. for certain categories. So for your consideration, right? <laughs> so that's, that's why it, uh, it's gotten split up and that's one of my pet peeves is like the half seasons. Oh God, the half seasons, they just drive me crazy. But I don't know. Hopefully it'll work out. I don't know about Arrested Development because that's a show that works really good on like a binge watch because there's so much from episode <laughs> to episode. Yeah, and you can you can binge watch a lot of that episode or that series. I've binge watched it a couple of times. Yeah, but I got a feeling with Kimmy Schmidt, the last two seasons we caught over the course of like nine or ten months, so I don't think it'll even affect me. <laughs> uh Legends of Tomorrow was picked up for a season four. It's official. And they put out a synopsis of it that I won't read here. But basically, they're going to fight magical creatures for the next season. So instead of like focusing on fixing aberrations in time, they're they're fighting creatures. So I think this is a really good idea. Like that's a show that is so batshit crazy. And they kind of opened the door to the magic thing yeah. a couple seasons back. So it's a natural progression for that show, I feel like. Fighting evil alien squid. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, you wanted to talk about that finale, right? Because we've yeah. been holding talking about it. I think I talked about it with Carl last week. but Yeah. God, that finale was so batshit crazy. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> We, it's funny because Rod versus Obama and like <laughs> the demon versus Bebo, the fucking I, what is it? It's basically like a, a Furby. Furby, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm what I was watching it with um, my youngest daughter, and we are just like, holy shit, this has gone off the rails. <laughs> I like how they had like a wink and a nod to Ghostbusters in there. Yeah. Yeah, basically, they get to choose that the thing that's fighting their avatar, basically, or whatever. Yeah, and it's like he's like, I can't help it. I just thought of it, and I was like, Oh my god, is it gonna be Bebo? And it sure was. Actually, I kind of got tipped off because it was on the CW thing, and the frame they chose was a giant Bebo. So like, <laughs> that was immediately what my head went to. But they're clearly, you know, well, they've been setting service. it up like the whole season. Yeah. Yeah, if if you're not familiar with the show, they they fix they were fixing aberrations in time, like stuff that time travelers were fucking up or whatever. And somehow this Bebo doll, which is like a Furby, got dropped yeah, off. Yeah, it was uh Martin went back to like get a gift for his daughter, like so he like went back in time, like before the holiday rush and bought one. <laughs> yeah. And then like it got left back in time so like the vikings discovered like turned like revered it as a god because it was like a talking animal (laughs) yeah and it showed up a couple other times yeah but that that was the best one the the last one so (laughs) crazy 
Yeah, great finale. Yeah, really I'm, I'm glad they're picking it up for another season because that is a show like out of the CW that I ha- I can't guess where they're going with the show. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> like there's certain elements that you can guess, but it's just it's so crazy. And I love that they switch team members. It just like. It's really fun that they switch the dynamics. Like who's who's still an original member? You got like Sarah and you got um the Adam. Adam. Are they oh and uh um the the bad guy with the flame gun. Uh oh our favorite, Mick. Mick. Yeah. So those are the only original members. Well was uh the guy that turns to steel was an original member. No, no, no. He came in in the what it, they just completed the third season, right? Yeah. So he he came in in the second season at the beginning because he came out on and is a historian. Like the ship was uh like left under sea or something, and so one of them comes to to him to help find it because he's a historian and he doesn't even have superpowers when he first joins the team. So <laughs> yeah, he's definitely, but he's become one of the core guys, which I didn't see coming. Like. I thought the guy was kind of goofy, but then at some point they established that he really loves like popcorn, like older popcorn movies. And as soon as that happens, he becomes one of the favorites to write about in the show because they just like find all of these ways to incorporate that into what they're doing. You know, like they have Steven Spielberg, they go back to see him. And so he's all crazy for it or the Elvis episode, right? Or the, the groundhog day. Like he's like, just, just tell me groundhog day. Cause it's, you know, the scenario, if you know, groundhog, day. <laughs> it's one of those episodes where they just repeat stuff over and over again. They have to find their way out of it. And he's like, next time you see me, like if, if you see me next time, just tell me groundhog day. <laughs> And she immediately goes, Groundhog Day. He goes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) He just totally buys in instead of wasting a bunch of time explaining it to him. Yeah, especially when you're on a time deadline. You're like, we need to get up to speed right now. (laughs) It's so great. Um, Also at CW, they announced that there's going to be a big crossover next year that's going to finally feature Gotham City. And they're going to have Batwoman on there. Yeah. So I'm very excited about this because I think... I think what the thing is, is they can't use Batman still because of Gotham City, like because of that or Gotham because of that show. I don't think they can use Batman. In it's TV. really weird what they're doing with that, because I was reading an article that because they have the Joker character, but they can't use his name. Which name is it? Jack Napier? <sighs> No. So there is one thing I I know that because uh, they're say like they were they can't say the Joker. I I don't think they could say the Joker and well, and it wasn't Napier. It was it was Something else. It was another name, but they were saving it for if they decide to run a feature film. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so they're saving the rights to that. Well, one thing with Jack Napier was that was the name that they used in the Killing Joke. When he remembers his past, but he and that's the name they it. used in Tim Burton's Batman, right? And so that's the thing is Jack Nicholson had it in his deal where any mentions of Jack Napier, he gets a cut of the royalties. So they never from that movie forward, they never ever use the name Jack Napier ever because they'll have to pay Jack Nicholson and they don't want to like 
shell it out for it. So <laughs> getting some residuals on Batman. Yes, that's exactly right. That like they they make sure not to use it in the animated series, which came out like I think a year after Batman came out. Um, they they don't use it in the comics. They don't use it anywhere anymore. So I mean, I know they have to pay a residual to them when the Killing Joke comes out now because graphic novels became a thing for DC later. That actually leads me into a little tangent I wanted to talk about. Um, so I went to the library and picked up a stack of graphic novels as I'm wanting to do every now and then. My daughter got one too. She got a Batmite comic, which I have no interest in reading Batmite, but she's really into it because it's a little goofy looking Batman from another dimension who's really annoying. And so mm. it's like a perfect kid's character. Yeah. Know? And my, my daughter has just gotten to the point. She's like... She is reading like a pro right now. Like she went from like not really wanting to read anything and like taking stuff that wasn't challenging. And now she'll just read anything. Like she's really Excellent. into reading all of a sudden. And so it was like two weeks ago, she all of a sudden like caught a look at my shelf and realized how many comics I had and all these heroes. And she'll like call out a hero name. I'm like, yeah, I got a book. And I'll just like, if she can't find it on the shelf, I'll be like, oh, I have them in this book and pull one out. And so I pulled out Blackest Night, which is, I don't remember which character she wanted, but it, it's a Green Lantern story. It's my favorite Green Lantern story. And uh, it's basically, there's all these different kinds of lanterns. There's a yellow for fear. Green is supposed to be courage. There's like red for rage. There's like pink for love. There's a... Uh, orange for avarice i think like they have all these different emotions and they all have to find a way to team up and fight the black lanterns who are death who are going to end the universe and the reason i bring this up is like in dc comics this is before the new 52 rolled out they like killed a bunch of the major superheroes and this was also around the time barry allen came back and became the flash again because he was out of comics for about 30 years uh yeah, somewhere around 30 years. And so, like, they brought him back. They, they killed off Batman for a while. Like, Batman comes back in this. Like, it's all these people come back from the grave. It's, like, it's interesting because my, my daughter is, like, wanting to watch horror movies and starting to get obsessed with it. And she doesn't get, like, scared by the stuff. So, I don't really care that much, you know? Yeah. And uh, this has, like, kind of zombie superheroes in it, but it's done in, like, an interesting way. And it's, like, every page we turn, there's just some superhero where she's, like, <gasps> like, they even have Ralph Dibney in part of it. And she's, like, really excited by that, who's a character that never stuck into my mind until he was on The Flash, like, the elongated man. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And uh, so it's just, like, there's so much for her when she's reading it all of a sudden because she watches The Flash and Supergirl religiously. She's in and out on Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, she was in on Black Lightning and then fell off. But, like, she's fucking, like, all of those characters that were introduced, she gets very excited about when she reads them. So, like, I'm kind of rediscovering them, even though I read it, they didn't stick in my mind because it's always something with a lot of characters. I went off on a tangent on the tangent <laughs> that I was talking about. Anyway, so we went there and uh, I got, I I saw Elf Quest and I was like, oh. <gasps> Cause I like, I had seen it once at the library before it was the first volume. And so it's like the first six issues of Elf Quest, which are all pretty, um, there's a lot 
in each issue. Like each issue of ElfQuest back in the 70s was basically a double issue. And uh, like I had passed it to River. I was like, I think you'd like that. And she was kind of like, I don't know. I was like, just flip through the pages. Look at the art for a second. And then she she was like, oh. And she actually like read the whole thing. And she was like, you know, there's like sex and stuff in here. I'm like, I know. Like you're old enough. I don't care. Like you can, like I started reading them when I was like 10, but I remember like going through the library and somehow coming across them and being like, what the fuck is this? Cause it was like a comic book in a book. And I, I did some research. I, I was waiting for it to come back up at the library and it finally came back up. And so I grabbed it and reread them. And it was like being a kid again, dude. I was just like, I remembered every beat as I was reading it. I knew where it would all resolve which is crazy because it's been like, you know, like at least 25 years since I like picked up an Elf Quest book and read it. And uh, it just made me like super happy. I was like, I got to read these way more. Like they were so fucking good, especially for like they were written in 1978, like the, the book I was looking at. And it's just like this is aged fucking perfectly. Like if anything... If anything, it's aged so much better because of like all the fantasy fantasy stuff we've had. It's just like aged so well. The art has like aged perfectly, and nice. uh, it was really good. But it's like Wendy Penna and her husband, but she like drew everything and then had a hand in the writing. I don't know how much her husband did and how much she did for the writing, but she's like one of the most revered female comic book artists slash writers in the business. And uh, it just made me super happy reading it. But then I started like researching because I was like, how much farther did they go? And I guess they put every single issue for free on the internet. Like Wendy Penny made sure they were all for free, except they did a run that concluded in February of this year. And it was the final elf quest story. And they did it 40 years to the day of the first one. They always knew when the end, what the end would be, but they hadn't gotten to it. And they finally got to it and like concluded it on the 40th anniversary, which I was like, that's pretty badass. So that's the only one you can't download for free. But I think I'm going to do like a major run through that comic and just read them all and then get it. But the reason I got off on that tangent was I remember coming across those in the, in the library and they were graphic novels and i was like what is this because it's like a book but it's also a comic book you know like at the time that just fucking blew my mind when i was a kid it was like the the library has comic books and i remember reading i think there was like eight volumes and i read all eight i was fucking so into it but i found out looking at wikipedia reading up on all this stuff that they invented the graphic novel like it was not around until elf quest they put it out because it was an independent comic. They didn't do it with help with DC or Marvel. Like later, I think Marvel continued to run and like DC reprinted a bunch way later. But like she did these independently initially. And it's the fact that it's had a staying power like 40 years later because I still hear people reference it sometimes. And it's just like it always makes me happy when I see a little Elf Quest thing, you know. But I don't think about it all that often. But um they invented the graphic novel. Like that's what I read was like, they put out the first graphic novels and DC and Marvel took notice and was like, Holy shit, these independent books are really selling and they're selling in bookstores, not on a comic book spinner rack. Like they're selling at book prices. And so in the late eighties, they started to, to do graphic novels when they saw that those elf quests were selling. So I found that really interesting. They, they put out the first graphic novel in like 83. 
That's crazy. Yeah. So a- anyway, I don't remember exactly how I got off on that tangent, but um, uh, that CW crossover is having Batwoman. So I like that they're going with Batwoman. She is the most interesting character that DC has that has not been like you really represented yeah in like a movie or a show like batwoman is just nowhere to be found that i've ever seen other than comics and this is not batgirl it is a whole different character like batgirl is like commissioner gordon's daughter right right like that's the one people know and they get them mixed up all the time like people say batwoman but they mean batgirl but batwoman is a character is basically she was a military brat. She's lesbian is really interesting character. And I like that they're going with this character because a, she's interesting B it's like, it's adding some more diversity to it, which I really like. Like it's one of the few like big titles that was out there that was like LBGT, you know? So I, I like that. Like, I like that there's more, um, that they're making an effort to put this character out there because they're finding these characters and they put them out in the CW verse. They start to get a life of their own. You know, if you just put them in a comic book, they get a life of their own. Like, uh, John Stewart, the green lantern, <clears throat> like the black green lantern, the, yeah. the most interesting one to me. He had a nice run, but like a lot of people outside of comics didn't know him. And then they did a justice league cartoon and they decided that they were going to go with the, with the Hal or not with the Hal Jordan, but with the John Stewart character. And like for a lot of people, that is their green lantern, you know? And like that character's pops up and stuff all the time now. And it's because they used it on TV. So you just get this whole generation of kids that saw it. And it's just like, yeah, that character's badass, you know? So, um, <clears throat> I hope we can get a run like that for Batwoman. Cause it's a really great character. And, yeah, and she's going to be in, like, the most watched episodes of those shows because those crossovers, you know, they, like, people Definitely like Definitely a spike. Yeah, like, I don't I don't watch Arrow except for when they do crossover episodes. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm in, so, you know, they're going to get eyeballs that one normally. So I like that, and it makes sense. If you're going to introduce Gotham City, like, that's a big character they haven't done anything with that they can do something with. So why not, you know? And... <sighs> Uh, something so, else. Oh, go ahead. Um, you talked about the uh, LGBT aspect. So Deadpool two is actually set to break another barrier as far as superhero movies go. What's that? Uh, they're gonna have the first lesbian superhero on the big screen. Okay. Uh, Negasonic Teenage War here. Or Warhead. Warhead is going to have a love interest. Okay. Coming up in Deadpool 2. Hopefully they actually explore that and they don't tiptoe around it. Um see I just saw a quick like and I'm trying to like not see too much of that, but I just saw an article today uh talking about how it's actually breaking a barrier on because I know like the DC universe or TV universe has already crossed that barrier. Now, <clears throat> having not seen Solo, a Han Solo or Star Wars, Star story, Wars colon right, a Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah, uh, there is a thing out right now that's talking about. So, um, let me find the guy's name here. 
uh, Jonathan Kasdan, who is the son of Lawrence oh, Kasdan. I was, I was like, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, because his father's like did all the like the Indiana Jones movies we love the most, and did like Empire Strikes Back and Jedi and just all sorts of shit. But uh, like they they wrote Solo together, and uh, apparently there was like an internet thing going around saying like maybe Lando's like pansexual because he's like he has a line to Han Solo that sounds like he might be flirting and then like a line to like a female-esque droid and uh this reporter asked him is uh is Lando Calrissian pansexual and he said he absolutely is and was like very adamant about it and then his dad was like well it's just a line it could be read different ways and so like at first I was like oh that's kind of cool that like they go down that road because Lando's a character that makes sense. You haven't actually seen him like romancing anybody, but he's extremely flirty. Like I could see there being something there. And then I read an article that was entitled like Lando being pansexual is bullshit. And I like, I was like, I didn't know what to expect when I read this article and I started reading it and I was like, this is a really good point. And they just said that, this happens over and over again in mainstream movies lately where like they allude to something and they don't fucking pay it off. Like they just don't pay it off at all. They just give like a line that could be construed one way or the other. Or for example, uh Laura Dern's character in the last Jedi is gay, but they fucking like, they only explore that in the extended universe. There's no hint at it whatsoever in the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, Valkyrie was bisexual and they said that, but they completely cut the storyline where they explored it. And so it's nowhere to be found in Thor Ragnarok. So it's like Disney in particular, but I mean, all, all the yeah, companies I mean, are like even Deadpool really good at being can... like, oh yeah, there's this gay character, but then they don't pay it off at all because they don't, who knows their fucking reasons, but it's don't don't even fucking say it if you're not gonna pay it off. Like fucking do something with it. Yeah. Know? I know Deadpool in the comics is definitely pansexual. I mean, he's had relationships with Spider Man and <laughs> <laughs> which is my favorite. I the, haven't the, read that, but I got a feeling that's not canon. <laughs> no, it's in the comics. <laughs> I believe it. But Deadpool comics aren't always canon. You know what I mean? Well, uh, you take it with what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they don't fall in line with what what's happening in Spider-Man typically, but like... <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but in the uh, the first Deadpool movie, we really didn't see any of that. I mean, he. I mean, there was the one women, Women's International Day is about as close as we got to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, good on them if they actually explore it, but I hope this isn't some bullshit thing where there's just like a hint and then they don't pay it off. So, hopefully, they'll they'll actually deliver on this. But uh, one other quick news, um, and I don't have a lot to say about it because I don't know these characters at all. I've heard of them, but never read the comic book. But Doom Patrol is going to be made by Greg Berlanti uh, for the DC streaming platform. So they announced that this week. So I don't know if it's going to be animated or if it's going to be a live action show. But 
Um, that makes me want to pick up some Doom Patrol comics and sort of figure out what it's all about because I've heard it's kind of crazy. So <laughs> I, I want to check that out. Um, the Inhumans is canceled. You can file that under everybody fucking knew this. <laughs> we all knew this. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the new Star Wars show that I think is for the Disney platform that they're building. Uh, John, John Favreau officially said that and Twitter that it's going to take place seven years after the Battle of Endor. So to, to put that in perspective, that's seven years out of, after the end of Return of the Jedi. And before Force Awakens. I think The Force Awakens takes place. 30 years after. Yes. So it's like 23 Jedi. years after this show, set, which is seven years after Jedi. So, yeah. So we get to find, hopefully find out a little bit about what's going on. Like in the Star Wars universe in between. That's what I like. I love that they did that gap because it's just like you get all this stuff to fill in with the extended universe, hopefully. And I don't want movies touching that, honestly. Yeah. Um, I want I want to leave that space to fill in with like all the like you need places for the extended universe to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's this is where you'll get your Snoke backgrounds and shit like that, or books or whatever. Like all you people bitching about Snoke, like we didn't know shit about Emperor Palpatine. Turns out we didn't want to know shit about Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> Spacey pet, so space C-span. C-span, yeah. But I mean, like you know, you got to leave stuff like that for the fans to like. You know, you got to leave some meat on the bones for the extended universe. So, yeah. Um. One thing I wanted to talk about and I had hadn't um we hadn't talked about is uh so we'd been talking about the Disney buyout of Fox. Mm-hmm. So about a week and a half ago, Comcast threw their name in there and actually outbid uh Disney. Yeah, they had done they had were in a bidding war against Disney before, but from all reports, Fox wasn't taking it very seriously because Disney like had a way better offer and Comcast never came close to it. So apparently they're battling back because they don't think the deal is going to be done until the summer of 2019. Yeah. That gives a lot of time. for. Because I know the last uh, thing I saw was Disney was offering $52 million and Comcast upped it to 60 that 60 will, billion, not million. Sorry. That will be a fucking nightmare if Comcast buys but, it. Not just for the superhero crossover thing, but that will mean that could mean that they have controlling share of Hulu if that happens. And Comcast has said before, um, actually, when I had the Campbell brothers on, I was talking about how Comcast uh was saying publicly that they wanted to buy stakes in Hulu and take it over so that they, they could, could kill like, it. Yeah, kill it. So that they weren't rerunning network shows and stuff that they thought were hurting cable. So that's going to be a fucking nightmare if they haven't pivoted their See strategy. that? See, the, the big issue with if Comcast throws their name in is because that, that's throwing up a lot of huge... Because with all of their... Uh, telecom companies and subsidiaries or whatever you want to whatever they're calling it today they own nbc and universal as well yeah and i believe they have part owners of time warner and 
Could be. No, I think Time Warner is different. I think anyway, Time Warner is its own but monster. There's that would have to go through. I believe it's SEC regulations, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff that really because there's so much telecom involved in that that it's pro- even if they have a higher bid, it's less likely to go through because it has to go through so many audits for monopoly and yeah, yeah i'm sure disney kind of will like up their offer if they need to as well i just get a feeling disney's not gonna like go of this one so god i hope not yeah, see well, like out of, out of all that between those two like i really hope comcast doesn't get it if if it was like the dream scenario for me it would be that like some new entity buys Fox, but like Disney buys the superheroes off of it. I don't know. I don't want Comcast to have shit. Comcast is pissing me off with all of their bullshit, like fucking all, all their shit for limiting the internet. I just ugh. so good news. Yesterday, the Senate voted to repeal the net neutrality repeal really yeah and it's going to the house now interesting i wonder what boy that must they must look at it as like this is something i might not get reelected if i don't vote for it so it's hard to get the senate to move on shit yeah but they they actually voted on it yesterday and resolved to pass it and they sent it to the house, so... We'll get on them as long as there's not some bullshit stuff where they're still doing the shit that pisses everybody off but claiming a victory. You know what I mean? Yeah. They do that sometimes, too. But hopefully, if, if they're actually doing what they should be doing, like, good on them. Like, it's not often I'd... Yeah, because I know... it back on the Congress no matter who's running. Because <laughs> I know uh, I follow John Tester on Facebook, and that was something that he... Proud, rightly proudly, uh, noted yesterday. So, good deal. Well, I'd like to hear that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's talk about the the Russo brothers for a minute. Um, because I, I mean, Infinity War. I think it just became the fifth largest movie in in history for like grosses. It's just killing almost everything domestically as well. Um. So they did an interview for the Huffington Post of which MCU characters were turned to dust off screen. <laughs> so I'll do a little I'll do a little uh game for you here. Okay. Shuri from Black Panther. She's alive. Okay. They said too spoilery. I should tell you there's like safe dead and too spoilery, they said. So too spoilery. We can't talk about it. Yeah, Net- she's deaf. Because... Oh, I thought they showed her still alive at the end, but I maybe mm. I was confusing her with a different character. Ned? I'm not sure who Ned, Ned is. Ned is a S- Spider-Man sidekick. Oh, that's right. That's right. Ned leads. Okay. Ned? Alive. Too spoilery. God damn it. <laughs> Lady Sif. Remind me who Lady Sith is. Lady Sif was... Uh, traveled with the Warriors 3 in the first two Thor movies and she was in a couple episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Dust. Yeah, she's dead. Uh, Korg. 
dust. Too spoilery. Oh, Naki. I don't know. Black Panther. Uh, I think that was maybe Lupita Nyong'o's character. I'm going to say dust. Too spoilery. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Howard the Duck. I'm going to say he lives. Yeah, he's safe. (laughs) The actor who played Loki. So Matt Damon's. Matt Damon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say he lives. Dead. Oh. Uh, Meek. Too spoilery. Yeah, too spoilery. Jane Foster. Uh, Dust. Too spoilery. Damn it. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, Aunt May. Too spoilery. Safe. And I, that one I figured out, uh, I, I just immediately assumed that because it, I, it never even occurred to me she was going to turn to dust. Cause I was like, that's some real drama. Like what the fuck just happened to my nephew? Like he's just going to fucking disappear, you know? Um, let's see who else here. Uh, oh, we got one more. Betty Ross. So this would be Hulk's love interest in, in the Incredible Liv Tyler. Hulk. Yeah, Liv Tyler. Uh, safe. Dead. Damn, I'm <laughs> terrible at that. So I even bad. read this article. That's the worst part. <laughs> Did you get any of them right? I got like, what, like two. <laughs> It's tough when you add in too spoilery because you have to like consider which ones are, you know, going to be used in, in the next couple of movies. But I, I mean, that's how I read it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you had an Infinity War theory you wanted to, to cover? Yeah. Here? Let me bring that up here. So there's a theory going around on the interwebs that, uh, Loki is posing as Bruce Banner when he gets when uh Hulk gets like shipped off the uh, uh by uh Heimdall. Okay. Is and that is that why he can't turn into Hulk? That's part of why he can't turn into Hulk. Okay. Um and that's basically the thrust of the Thrust away, like, he can't turn into Hulk. I'm going to call bullshit on this one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call bullshit, and this is See, the other, like, uh, thing that they talked about in this uh, was part of the reason why, like, Hulk crashed through uh, the inner sanctum of uh, Doctor, Strange. Doctor Strange is because Loki had been there and Bruce Banner had not. Yeah, but Hemdall called them. Like I just rewatched Infinity War this week, and uh, Hemdall says something about like, grant me the magic to to teleport yeah. one last time or whatever. So I I think that was Hemdall because he sees all. But um, yeah, I'm gonna call bullshit on this one, and I, I will call bullshit specifically. Because Mark Ruffalo said the Hulk had this arc that started in Thor Ragnarok, 
continued in Infinity War and concluded in Avengers 4, okay? Yeah. And, like, I think that it's, like, the first one is, like, Hulk is just done with Banner and doesn't want anything to do with Banner, right? And then Banner finally kind of comes back. And then Hulk meets his match and doesn't want to come back out because he's afraid, I think. Because he acts like a child, right? Like, yeah. in the previous movies, acting like a child. So I think, like... Ban- I have this theory that like Banner and Hulk need to like they need to depend on each other and they need to accept each other and I think that that's where they're going with this and so I think that there's going to be a resolution somehow in the next movie between his two sides and uh, I-, I don't think that involves Loki <laughs> now is Loki still alive I'm not going to say that he's not going to suddenly show up again. Like he might, I don't think it'll be Avengers four. If he does, I really think that they're going to do another Thor movie. Like I really do. I just Thor Ragnarok was so wildly successful and people loved it so much. I think they're going to do another Thor movie. Yeah. They'd be fools not to. And, uh, I think if you do another Thor movie, you're going to want Loki. So I, I think they got something in their back pocket. See the other, the other thing at this point, article or article points out is that when Bruce Banner is talking to Tony Stark and everybody and Dr. Strange and everybody at the back on earth, he recalls what happened when he was Bruce Banner during the fight with Thanos. So, which is one of the first times like he remembers what happens when he was Hulk. So what are they trying to say then? Is he pretending to be Bruce Banner? Is he pretending to be the Hulk? Yes. He's pretending to be both. Yeah, that's bullshit. That doesn't work because you see him in a suit alone and he's like, fuck you, you big asshole. I'll do it myself and all that. Well, he doesn't say fuck you, but uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think you have those inner things. Ah, It doesn't make sense to me. I I think this is bullshit. I I agree with you totally on this, but... I just thought it was an interesting theory that I thought would be interesting to talk about. Yeah. We're going to file that away with Tony Stark gets in the boosters and meets <laughs> the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, I didn't remember that fan theory at all until I was cutting together those clips of all the old Marvel stuff. But, like, <laughs> when I heard it, I was like, where we were at at the time, that totally made sense. But where we've gone since, yeah, that's... No. Blew, blown out of the water. <laughs> yeah, he needed a donut to get to space. <laughs> uh, so you wanted to bring up our original Lois Lane. No, not original, but the, the first one in a movie. Our Lois Lane. Kind of. I don't know. We'll, we'll get back to that. But <laughs> Margot, Kit, Margot Kidder died. So Yeah. R.I.P. Margot Kidder. She, uh, a longtime Montana resident. Yeah, yeah, she, she had a ranch out somewhere. Outside of Livingston. Yeah. Um, I know she battled with mental health issues and kind of publicly. Um, yeah, actually around the time Robert Downey Jr. was melting down, uh, there there's a big thing. Like her and Anne Heche and Robert Downey Jr. were all kind of having meltdowns around the same time. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, she did like a she did a really good Lois Lane. Um, the reason I don't call her my Lois Lane, there was a lot of that going around, and that's fine. Like I get that. Like she was the first Lois Lane that I knew. But what I didn't like about that character was like 
she was a journalist and she had typos all the time. Like it was like a running joke that she couldn't string a sentence together. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense that she's a journalist. There's a whole thing of, and this is just like the traditional writing of Lois Lane, but like her never being able to figure out who's Superman until Superman two is like kind of ridiculous. And I just felt like they played her kind of dumb because she was a woman in power. So it was like, you got to, subvert that and make it look yeah well in that foolish. she always that's always the fault, damsel but, in distress yeah like, to and, the t and that's not her fault that was the times fault more than anything but that's why like amy adams is more my lois lane uh just purely because like she fucking she's definitely done a better job with that but i was they really tried to undo a lot of it in justice league and uh batman v superman but a man of steel it was like it was a pretty good character so her and kate bosworth were more my lois lanes but she was definitely the one i grew up with only chain smoke and lois lane that i remember too (laughs) (laughs) she smoked a lot of cigarettes but yeah it's interesting i i I remember for a long time, I thought she was Karen Allen for some reason. I don't even know why now, but when I was younger, I always thought she was Karen Allen. And then at some point realized like, this is a whole different actress. (laughs) You ever do that? Like you just have somebody you mix up all the time and then you're like, wait, that's a different person. Oh, definitely. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm too Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. (laughs) I almost said that, but. This podcast is like ingrained what those two are. <laughs> well, at least we, I, I've been a lot better about it since Bill Pullman was on the pod pa, uh, podcast. Thank you, Bill Pullman. <laughs> I know you didn't will to be on the podcast, but you're totally on the podcast. <laughs> are we going to get sued now? Probably or not. a cease and desist letter from I Congress? I just assume that nobody ever fucking listens to this <laughs> who, like, is in any kind of position to fuck us over, so... Yeah. So, um... Something did pop up, and I, you probably have might have seen this. Uh, they did a Spaceballs episode of uh, The Goldbergs. No, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. I I heard I Carl told me some stuff about it at work because I work with Carl. So uh, he told me they got Rick Moranis like just through <laughs> fucking pestering him over and over. Yeah, again, they finally got him to like his voice do a line. Yeah. Now it kind of see Rick Moranis is doing a few things now because they uh, Netflix. I believe it's on the twenty fifth of May is dropping an SCTV special. Yeah. And Rick Moranis is going to be on that. Yeah. Because it's a retrospective. He'll do that stuff. He just won't act for the most part. Yeah. And they, he left. See, I read an interview and he kind of left it open that he could do a Spaceballs 2. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's the quest for more money. <laughs> But I, th- I really hope that's what they call it. It has really- to be. It God, it has to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, and do it before Mel Brooks dies, please. He's I the mean, only I one that could do it, like right? A fucking craven wish, and he may not direct it. It's very possible he might. But if he's an executive it, producer on that, I would be fine with that. It'll be, it'll be good. Like Mel Brooks is a good producer too. So, I mean, he wrote the producers <laughs> and and like starred in it. And fucking like directed it. So. I think he was an executive producer on the Broadway show. Too. Oh yeah, he was an executive producer on the producers. Yeah, <laughs> that's a true story right there. It's absolutely true. Uh, yeah, he wrote the. He also wrote it too. I mean, he wrote the the Broadway version as well. So, no, um, please do it. But if you're gonna do it, do it before Mel Brooks dies, please. <laughs> like, I just Mel Brooks is in his nineties now. And he's still fucking funny. I watched him last year in this big interview that he did. And he's still fucking hilarious. Like, if if you are into Mel Brooks's comedy, he's still gold. Like, the dude has not lost his fastball. Yeah. So. Um, I Just a quick little sidebar. Last night, we were just dipping through YouTube stuff. And we came across a couple of interviews like... Uh, on Jimmy Fallon and I think it was uh, Jimmy Kimmel both with Martin Short and Steve Martin. Okay. Together, because I uh, and it's funny because they the three they, amigos they never talked about what they're doing right now. Like because I mean they both did interviews in the last week or so, mm-hmm. so they there must be something they're doing, but they never showed in these clips of what they're doing. But fuck, that was some of the funniest shit I've seen come from late night clips Interesting. in a long time. Martin Short can occasionally make me laugh, but I'm not like huge on Martin Short. But Steve Martin just kills me. <laughs> like at every stage of his career. I was like, I remember watching a Baby Mama and he was like, had this little part in it. And I was like. He's fucking, he's knocking it out of the park. Like, he just fucking accepted that I just, I'm not the A-lister anymore. So I'm just going to do this little role. But he fucking kills it in that movie. And then uh, even I was doing, uh, oh, God, this this alien movie called Home for the Alien Movie Project. Oh, God. This anime movie. And I, I fucking, I would always hear that oh, movie. Yeah. And it just annoyed the shit out of me. But I had to pull clips for Aaron. And, like... Steve Martin is fucking hilarious. He is hilarious in that movie. And so it's like, yeah, I don't want to watch the movie, but like he's really good when he's on the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like Steve Martin's still fucking killing it. Yeah. And just it's funny because when you put those two together. And I've seen him on Saturday Night Live a lot. Like Steve Martin, he still does it a couple times a year, it seems like. Yeah, he does like little walk on things. Well, he did. He hosted like. The last two years has hosted at least one episode. Okay. So, and still fucking killed it. But those two together, just like Jimmy Kimmel's like, or not Jimmy, because I was watching the Jimmy Fallon one. And those two would just go off. And Jimmy Fallon's like, I can't keep up with these guys. I, no, and you should shut your fucking mouth, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, and let them talk. <laughs> and it was fucking hilarious. So... If you're just want like want something to do when you're on YouTube, look up these clips because they are fucking golden. Well, speaking of a blast for a past, uh, Zombieland Two is about to get its tenth anniversary, and uh, 
No, Zombieland is supposed to get its 10th anniversary. What did I say? Deadpool 2. I'm sorry, Zombieland 2. No, Zombieland is the 10th anniversary. I'm trying For to get to it. For the 10th anniversary. I'm trying to get to it. <laughs> God damn. Red Reese and Paul Wernick, writers of the Deadpool movies, 1 and 2. <laughs> there you go. Now you're getting it. They've said that Zombieland 2 will be filmed early in 2019 to debate, hopefully... To debut in October 2019, and it'll hopefully have the original cast. So none of this is set in stone, but they wrote it, and they're talking as if it's probably going to happen. So yeah, I just want to be sounds specific. Like they, it's not a done deal, but it sounds no. It like sounds like they've might. been in talk. Like what I was reading, that it sounds like they've been in talks with the original cast members who basically have signed on, and so I mean it's. Probably gonna happen. Yeah. Um, I really want to see it happen because if it's with the original cast, I totally want to see it happen, man. Fucking yeah. Emma Stone. We can uh, return Jesse Eisenberg to something where I don't want to smack him. <sighs> Just and- like what the fuck are you doing? We're not gonna get that Jesse Eisenberg. What if we have Bill Murray as a zombie? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, I think he got you shot see in this, the head, though. I think he's fucked. You see this, like, carpet jumping around in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and Woody Harrelson has been fucking killing it lately, so everything he touches turns to gold, man. It's, he's in Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to... <laughs> I really want to do away with this a Star Wars story thing. It's... I got it for Rogue One so that people understood it wasn't in continuity, but now it's getting annoying. But uh, apparently that's getting good reviews, too. Like, they, they did an advanced screening for the press, so. I, that's one I haven't been really, like, excited for. I wasn't. I, I when was I started be- reading good reviews, I'm like, yes, because I... I heard good reviews for The Last Jedi, and I fucking like The Last Jedi, so now I'm excited. <laughs> That's where we disagree. That's fine. We have room to disagree. You can be wrong. <laughs> no, is uh, it Yanni or Laurel? The, what is that? I, I heard somebody talking about Yanni you, have or you, Laurel. But, and I heard a quick clip, but I have no idea what the fu- the context or what the fuck this is about. But I heard Laurel, but I don't know the context of this. What is this? So there's this audio clip. And if you haven't heard it, you're having. I been heard. On. I told you. I heard a snippet of it on a podcast. That's that's it. There there's was, there's like this clip, and it's, I believe it's a two track, and it's Yanni and Laurel, and it, they're both at the same beat, but depending on how your speakers are set up, if it's more bass heavy or top heavy, if it's more top heavy, you end up hearing Yanni. If it's more bottom heavy. You hear Laurel. That's such a weird turn for those words. Okay. Like somebody was mentioning something about, is it demonic? Is it this? Is it that? And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I just completely forgot it till you mentioned it. I heard it this morning. Actually, I heard Larry Wilmore talking about it on his podcast. There you go. Black on the air. Like that's, that's where I heard it. And I had no idea the context. So I'm glad you gave me context finally. It's not as mystical as I hoped it would be. No, <laughs> it's just one of those stupid things. Like, it's like the. What did you hear? Laurel. 
Yeah, that's what I heard in my in my headphones. But I, heard I tend to hear lower or lower frequencies better than I hear higher frequencies. Because you have tendonitis. Tendonitis, yeah. Or tendonitis. Tendonitis. Tendonitis is something completely different. I didn't say tendonitis. I said tendonitis, which is a, a fictional illness in Mister Show that you can die of for up to ninety years. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to see the episode to understand. Ronnie Dobbs is dying of tendonitis. Anyway, um, let's move on to a little music stuff. You wanted to talk about a movie. You wanted to give a review of a movie from the 70s, From right? 1975. And while you do this, I'm going to go grab a beer while you introduce it. Because so, I've seen the movie, so. So, I'm going to give a little backstory to this. Um there, my uncle was a extra in a movie that was filmed in Deer Lodge Prison here in Montana, and there have been about six or seven movies that have been filmed at the old Montana Territorial Prison, and over the years, and I just heard that my dad, my uncle, my dad had told me my uncle was an extra in one of the movies, like. They filmed like a bunch of people with their like hands hanging out like the bars when they show up to the prison. And okay. So I've been trying to like find the movie that he was an extra in. And so I've been like going through the Wikipedia page of the old Montana prison to find out which film he was an extra in. So I started with the first film that was filmed at the Montana State Prison. Which was Rancho Deluxe. And that was the one. Let's just cut to the chase here. It wasn't the one. Oh, it wasn't the one. See. But you watched it anyway? But I watched it anyways because I want to like find the movie. Plus, Rancho Deluxe has been one of those movies I've like wanted to watch. A, I'm a Jimmy Buffett fan and mm-hmm. he does the entire score of yes. the movie. That That is ultimately why I saw that movie. There was other reasons my dad like blabbered off when he had me watch it in high school, but it was essentially because he loves Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett was in the movie. Yeah. And uh, it was also because, you know, it was in Montana for a lot. And uh, interesting. So we, we talked about Jeff Bridges when he was potentially going to run for Senate and there was no weight behind it. That was just the Internet deciding Jeff Bridges needed to run for the the Senate. But he met his wife while he was filming that movie, like in the town that they were filming it in. Yeah, it was filmed in Livingston, Montana. Yeah, I wanted to say Livingston, but I hesitated because I was like, maybe I'm just mixing it up with well, Jimmy was... Buffett's song, Rockin' and Rolling in the Livingston Saturday Night. Well, they actually sing that song during right. the movie. But I didn't know if it was actually in Livingston or if it was filmed to look like Livingston. So I just Well, like... they filmed it in Livingston and then all through the Shield Valley and up through the Muscleshell Valley and down through Paradise Valley. Yeah. So anyway... Uh, so he met her because she got kicked. So he met her in a bar and she got kicked in the face by a horse. Okay. And so she was all fucked up and he was like hitting on her and she was like, yeah, whatever. Like just thought he was being a conceited jerk or whatever and and making fun of her. He's like, no, really? Like, I want to go on a date with you. And he finally convinced her and she was like, well, you have to like come home and like meet my parents and stuff. And so he did. And then she was like, 
because he was a Hollywood star, she was like, I don't want to fool around with you because you're not going to take it seriously. And he's like, I'll marry you then. And he fucking married her and they're still married. Like there was no divorce, no separation. Like they're still fucking married. Like how crazy is that? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause I watched that movie and it like court. I mean, it's a slow seventies burn movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which didn't feel like a slow burn when I was that age because I was watching stuff from the 70s all the time. So, you know, um, I have not seen it later, but I'm still okay with that pace. <laughs> Don't watch it with your kids. No. <laughs> no, because one of my immediate, I will tell you, high school Alex was like hands folded, not thrilled with it until I saw the first set of boobs. And then I was Dude, immediately in. <laughs> it opens with boobs. Yeah. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett and boobs. <laughs> Buffett, boobs, and bridges. Buffett, boobs, and bridges. It sounds like a box set for Jimmy Buffett, right? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I always seen a. Because I'd read Jeff Bridges' Wikipedia page, and it always showed up because it was a, it was his breakout role. Yeah. Um, and plus it was filmed in Montana. So I was like, and then it showed up on this. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to like make it a, my Saturday night half drunk. I'm going to watch this movie. So well worth it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I did have a huge problem with it. What's that? Sam Waterston's character. I mean, you're going to have to remind me, dude. I haven't so, seen this movie for like 25 years. Sam Watterson, who is on Law & Order. Yeah. Yeah. He was, the, he was the lawyer on Law & Order. Yeah. I don't know if he's... Is he... I don't... I don't think that Law & Order is even on anymore. Fuck, so. I don't know. Anyways, he plays an Indian in that. Oh, yeah. And it was like... <laughs> God. It was really rough. And... And it really, like, watching that really bothered me because his father in the movie was played by a Native American. But him himself. Who has a bigger role, I'm sure. <laughs> well, he's the second lead in right. that. So, like, you have to have a white dude. God damn, dude. <sighs> it was it was kind of rough. I like, that was the hard changed. part that was. <laughs> that That was the hardest part of watching that movie. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on to another musical movie. And I think I had a little bit more, but I think we're going to cut it with this because we're running over an hour. So, uh, and we might go off on this for a minute. So they dropped the trailer for Bohemian Rhapsody. And I immediately, before I even watched the trailer, I researched whether Brian Singer was going to get points for this movie and found out he was not because he was on a pay for play contract. So, like, the stuff he did, he already got paid for. He's fucking done. He's not seeing any residuals. So, Biggs will be going to Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm <laughs> glad I'm glad you said that because yeah. I, I didn't know. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed the trailer. I now, did, too. Here was a really interesting thing, and I was talking with Carl about this, but uh, I, I kind of wish he was on the podcast right now because it would be fun to rehash this conversation. But Remy Malik, who plays Freddie Mercury, there was moments where he looked spot on like Freddie, and there was moments where I was just like, 
who the fuck is that? Because I don't really know who he is. But I would look at the way he's dressed and I'm like, oh, he's supposed to be 70s Freddie Mercury. But I know what 70s Freddie Mercury looks like. Not with mustache, like feathery hair. And always wearing like kind of loose, almost gownish like shirts and stuff. Like tunics sometimes and shit. A tunic? Kind of tunic-ish. I don't know how to describe it. I'm not a big clothes guy, but like there was moments where he's like in the 70s where I'm like, that doesn't look anything like Freddie Mercury. And then there's moments where it's like, he looks spot on like Freddie Mercury. Like he's got 80s Mercury down, it looks like. I could see like 80s Mercury be perfect. Like I'm thinking of like all the, like I haven't really seen uh, him in much, but just other than like just stills and stuff but i'm like i could see him as 80s freddie mercury and by the way don't don't mistake me on this like i'm not gonna judge his performance on whether he looks like freddie mercury or not like i'm a fucking adult like i understand it's not the same person um it sounds like they're using recordings of freddie mercury good Good. Don't use it. Fucking lip sync this shit, dude. I want to hear Freddie's voice. I don't want to hear an approximation of Freddie's voice, you know. But uh, it, it, I don't know. It's hard to say because it's like based off of what I saw in the trailer, it did get me pumped. Like my friend Cassandra Gonzalez, like posted a, a post that was just like, "Who's going with Biggs?" And that was as soon as I saw that, I didn't even look at the trailer. I just went straight to my phone and was like, "Is Brian Singer gonna get paid for this?" <laughs> <laughs> when I found out he didn't get paid for it, I'm like, all right. You know, it's funny because I, I had, it popped up on my Facebook. It was one of those sponsored mm-hmm. ads or whatever. I'm like, all right, what's this? And so I watched it on my phone. I was like, ooh, this looks interesting. And then uh, yet last night when we were going through our YouTube, like just binge of weird shit. Like it kept popping up, and we're like, because it was it was one of the YouTube ads, and so we just let it play. Yeah, <laughs> it's rare that I let a YouTube ad play, but every now and then something comes up. But but and it's funny because my wife and I were watching on the couch, and she's like, "I know what you and your boyfriend are doing in October." <laughs> <laughs> Did you tell her nothing because it comes out in November? <laughs> I thought it said October. <laughs> I thought it was November. It doesn't even matter. It's so far from now. Do you think that'll be at the Cinemark? You think that'll be at the Loy? I'm betting it'll be at the Loy. I hope it'll be at the Loy. I would rather catch that at the Loy than the Cinemark. I want to have. A I'd beer. rather. I'd rather give money to the Loy. Yeah, I want to like go in there and buy like four beers. Hit <laughs> <laughs> the camera, <laughs> and then like go and sit down and proceed to drink four beers while i watch this movie yeah it was funny i've been waiting for this movie for so fucking long they've been God, talking been about so making long. this movie for like we've talked about this years. on the podcast for so long they've been they they started talking about making this before we made this podcast like we've been doing this for i mean we're either hitting the seven well, okay i just looked at it the other day the first episode posted in this in like the spring of 2011 so what we're we're like at seven Seven years years now right yeah so like i think we just hit seven years or we're close to it but 
It, it was before that that they started. Yeah, like, and now when we talked about going, I mean, we've talked about the Sasha Baron Cohen when it looked like he was a shoe. Dude, it looked like he was a shoe in when I lived in Olympia. That was sometime between 2004 and 2007. God. So it's been over 10 years they've been developing this, and uh, I guess. So like James Gunn like posted the trailer on his Facebook page. By the way, like face or James Gunn. If you like Marvel stuff, like he just occasionally pops into my thing, and he's always a fun read. Like he engages fans every time he's in there, and like answers interesting questions. You know what I mean? Like, like he's just an interesting. Most of the James Gunn stories we've had have come from his Facebook page or like Twitter via Facebook. But um, he uh. A- anyway, so <laughs> here comes the dogs. Hi, dogs! <laughs> Coming to ruin the end of the podcast. <laughs> but uh, so, but James Gunn is like really entertaining on there. And somebody like he was like, "What do you guys think of this trailer?" And somebody was like saying, "Like, too bad we can't see the Sasha Baron Cohen version of Freddie Mercury." And he goes, "You know, honestly." I don't know about the whole controversy, but I think he's just aged out of the role. And I started thinking about it. I was like, yeah, that's a really good point because they were in like pre-production for this for so long that like he's, he is like quite a bit older than Freddie Mercury was when he died. Now that's, you can't do That's it. crazy to think about though. Yeah. And I think this is over, I believe I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's sometime in the seventies to 85. So like yeah. it's it's supposed to end around Live Aid, which was a fucking breath of fresh air for me because the last time I think we had talked about this movie, well, no, maybe we were talked about the bullshit with Brian Singer, and when I say bullshit, I mean the bullshit that he pulls. But um, his fucking shit, yeah, his shit. But um, Sasha Baron Cohen was saying that partly why he wasn't doing it was he was arguing with the band because they wanted the third act to be them carrying on without Freddie. But if they're ending this with Live Aid in 85... Dude, that was like the pinnacle of what he did. Yes, that was the absolute pinnacle of Queen. Like, that concert... By the way, check out that concert. It's on YouTube for free. So, it's on YouTube for free. Like, it's amazing. It's fucking amazing. Part of this... And it's only a half hour. So, it started with... Uh, that hold on, love you, babe. <laughs> See, so, that's commitment right on the microphone. <laughs> it started with that uh trailer being dropped, and so we went down a rabbit hole of Queen. And there was a top 10 list of Freddie Mercury moments or parts. Uh, Wembley Stadium's got to be another one for sure, yeah. But that was I mean, their very last concert. So. Live Aid was number one, but yeah. like, just if it's a watch mojo, it's about twelve minutes long. It's fuck like there's stuff on that I didn't know. Um, it was just great, like just so much stuff. Like, I mean, I've I've watched so much stuff on Queen and Freddie Mercury. And there was stuff they brought up on that, and I was like, I had no fucking clue. So it's Watch Mojo that has it's that? Watch Mojo. I'm gonna check that out. But I, I highly recommend people watch that live aid performance because it's like it is it's so probably not even 30 good. minutes, it's probably like 25. And it's such a for, tight set. For people who don't know about that, like maybe you're too young or whatever. I was probably too young when it, it came out. I mean, I don't remember seeing it live. I might have, but I was six, you know. But uh it was 
they were doing, I believe, a, a concert for was it Ethiopia? Like I think it was yeah. with the We Are the World. I think the concert was on the backs of that, and uh, so they did this concert. And they had everybody play like twenty to thirty minute sets, and it was everybody who was big at the time. Like everybody who was big was there. I mean, Michael Jackson. You had like uh, just fucking everybody from that time. David Bowie, I know, did it. Like David so Bowie, many Pink people. Floyd. Yeah, yeah. Um. And so Queen, like, I don't know when they played in the set, but six o'clock p.m. But they fucking owned it, like, and it's always talked about, like, every well, all the musicians who were there, like, fully admit, like, Queen fucking blew, like, blew everybody out of the okay. Water. This is something that and they brought specifically up. Specifically, Freddie Mercury blew everybody out of the water. Like he was fucking so charismatic and just incredible this is something they brought up in that watch mojo um the sound engineer that was running the live aid feed um is partly responsible for that um because he brought everybody's levels down a little bit and raised queens up (laughs) when they performed because he was a huge queen fan awesome i love that so he's partly responsible for that like because they fuck that performance is brilliant yeah it's so good but um i getting back to what i was saying i'm so relieved that they're ending with live aid because like as much as i like queen i don't want to see a movie where like the end result is them trying to pull together as a band without freddie like i get it I get that it's like their own story or whatever, but like that is the per like whatever story they're telling, that's a perfect moment to end because it is like the absolute pinnacle. And honestly, it's downhill from there for Queen. Not yeah. like, and what I mean by that is like they play a couple of big concerts after that. In fact, they play Wembley Stadium, which is like their last concert a year later. Like that's their very last concert that they play. And they still record for another five years, but like around the time, I mean, I don't know. It could be around, it could be around 85, but for sure 86, like Freddie Mercury knows he has AIDS and is HIV. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, like he for sure isn't telling the band members at first. So I don't know if that's going to work into the movie. I'm sure it will. Right. Like even if it's not act, accurate they're gonna give some rumblings of it because you can't not address that elephant in the room like he died of aids you can't gloss over that you know it it needs to be said it's important it's like it is part of who he was like but i don't want to see him in his final moments dying either necessarily like i like like that's that's just a perfect moment to end that so uh, that means you had asked me a couple years ago when we we're in the attic of the Victorian mansion that we used to record <laughs> out of. Um, I remember you asking me what Queen songs like had to be in the, like that I would like to see in the movie, and one of the the songs I listed was Mother Love. So this one for sure won't be in the movie because that was the very last. Like he he literally didn't even finish the song because he died before he finished the song. It was like the last thing he recorded, but it's fucking haunting and like touching. I think I read like he recorded some of the dubs on it, like 
the day he died. So his voice was still fucking there on the day he died. And I get like teary eyed when I listen to it a lot of the time. Cause it is talking about like going back to, um, like something that he loves and knows, you know, like he's clearly like staring mortality in the face when he's singing this song, you know? And, uh, it's really touching, but if they have that song, it's going to be like the credits, like <laughs> you yeah. can't have it anywhere else. Cause it's, it comes way later, but I mean, this means you get so many other great hits. You know what I mean? Like you get to see Bohemian Rhapsody, Killer Queen, Crazy Little Thing Called Love, Another One Bites of Dust. Uh, you, I think you can get some Highlander stuff in there maybe. Maybe that was 86, somewhere around there. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Dude, I want to see Flash Gordon in there. Oh, I want to, Dude, I want to see some Flash Gordon stuff in there. So... That watch mojo thing, like it was fucking great because one of their because uh, they always do like a top ten list, and one of their uh, points was when he uh, showed up in Dallas, pigging back on Darth Vader yeah. wearing a Flash T shirt. It's been a, that's been a cover of one of our <laughs> one of our podcasts for sure. I don't remember which one. And I but was like, this is archive, so fucking great. Yeah, if you go through the archives at uh, Montague Sky. Because he did that for a couple of, like, he did debuted that in Dallas. And he did that, I think, for a couple of concerts until George Lucas wrote him a season to six. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, and he would do it when they sang Bicycle. Yeah. Because, like, there's, and I don't. And I don't care about Star Wars or whatever. It, it's hard when I don't start from the opening <laughs> lyric. But yeah, it's uh, what is it? Christ, I don't believe in Peter Pan. Frankenstein and Superman. Superman. All don't. I want to do is okay. That's oh, not the it. part. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Some super fan I am. By the way, I have Jaws was never my scene, and, and I, I don't, don't like, like Star Wars. Wars. That's right, which I totally disagree with them there. But like a lot, but you song. know what's funny about that? Cause I also don't like riding bicycles. <laughs> I like to walk. <laughs> he uh, fully admitted he was a huge Star Wars fan. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes sense, dude. He was all about like the theatrics and like a big product. There's nothing bigger than Star space Wars. opera. Yeah. But it makes sense if you're like trying to be anti all of this stuff. You're going to throw out the two biggest movies of the 70s, like Jaws and Star Wars. Those are what like made and cemented blockbusters, you know? Yeah. Like Jaws showed what a blockbuster was. Star Wars showed how big a blockbuster could be, you know? Uh, God damn. I could talk about Queen Fry. Dude, we could do a Queen (laughs) podcast. It would just be like we would never like I would do I could do a fucking like one track one queen track for each episode and just fucking ramble on about that the song for like an hour. I could do this even the songs I don't like I could just go on (laughs) because there are a few queen songs I don't like mostly on their later albums. Getting into hot space. Yeah hot space is a hot mess. (laughs) I mean that like. There's Body Language is a really good song. And uh, Under and Pressure ra- is a really good song. And Radio Gaga. Nope, that's uh, The Works, 1985. Is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that might be in the Live Aid show, actually. <laughs> it's the only hit that the drummer had. 
like or the only number one hit that he had because he was like really bummed out because they all wrote songs and he was the only one that didn't have a number one hit and then he finally got it with radio (laughs) gaga and it's one that people never fucking remember (laughs) okay one last thing and then I'll, i'll be done here okay um so we're running down this queen rabbit hole yeah and i'm like you know because i had just watched a couple and i talked about on the podcast uh train spotting too yeah and they had this huge scene or this big scene with radio Radio gaga Gaga. yeah and i'm like i kind of want to watch that video now so i put the weird it is (laughs) weird because it's like uh basically a take on metropolis yeah and I'm watching that and like my youngest daughter's just and my kids like Queen, but she's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you want to cleanse the palate next time you go down the Queen rabbit hole, I'm gonna tell you the best video that they did. Are you ready? I wanna break free. It's the same album, but it's fucking hilarious. It's uh Yeah, I you know it's funny because like I've put that on before, and I get some strange looks from my family. <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> Let me explain to the audience who hasn't seen this. And you should check it out just for That's the That's a great video. Just but a great video. It's really funny. But they're doing a take on this show called East Enders that was really popular in Great Britain. It was like a soap opera. That's not important. What's important is you have Brian May... The guitarist, like, playing a woman in curlers who's, like, comes out, like, doing something in this house. And they're, like, clearly on, like, a like a soap opera set, right? So, like, yeah, Brian May come out and he's got curlers. And then you have John Deacon, the, the bass player, comes out and he's, like, an old crotchety woman. And then you have, like... Roger Taylor, who like they show from the leg up and stuff, and seems like a really hot woman, like legitimately <laughs> seems hot. And then turns around and you see the face, and you're like, go! <laughs> and then Freddie fucking comes his down. His fucking fishnet tight. Yeah, fishnet tight and has his full on mustache and just fucking owns Big it. blonde beehive wig on. Yeah, but just. I think it's a dark wig. I'm pretty I sure. I thought it was blonde. Dude, maybe. I'm pretty sure. It's maybe blonde. maybe it was uh, Roger Taylor that had the blonde Yeah, wig. Roger Taylor is, is the, the blonde. Yeah, you're right. Fucking stacked like shit house. <laughs> <laughs> but like Freddie Mercury just fucking owns it. And like he just does all of this stuff. Like just this little stuff where he's just like flecking something off of somebody's like shoulder and like he's like fucking ironing on people yeah and like 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 dusting stuff but like he just fucking kills it like it's amazing and then they intercut with freddie mercury dancing with these ballet dancers and they're fucking wearing these skin tight leotards and by the way freddie mercury for that he shaves the mustache he (laughs) leaves it when he's in drag but he shaves it when he's like fucking like almost it's almost like he's dressed like a woodland creature or something in this like crazy skin tight leotard and it's just the craziest like intercut of these two things that don't feel like they belong but it's just like it is so 
endlessly entertaining. It's their best video by far. Like I gotta say, it I've is, seen them all. And it is my favorite one. video. But like when I put it on before, <laughs> I get some bizarre looks from my family. Like, what am I watching? The tough thing with Queen videos is they always did promotional stuff. But it's pretty rough with the 70s stuff because they didn't really have music videos. They had promos that would play in record stores. And so, like, it's different. Like, they do a video for We Will Rock You, but it's just them playing in the snow. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that where it's like, their 70s stuff is great songs, but it's not really worth checking out their videos. Their 80s, they have some great videos and some not so great videos. (laughs) And then the stuff from their last album, don't even bother, like with the videos, because like Freddie Mercury died and they just didn't, they didn't put anything like they just took existing footage of like silent movies and stuff and lashed them together for the videos. So that they don't even make sense for what's being sung. But uh, one that's super sad, though, is he does a song, um, The Show Must Go On. <sighs> Yeah, dude. And it's it's fucking heartbreaking. Dude, every time I hear that song, like like tears well up every time I hear that yeah, song. Yeah, because I don't know that he's singing about dying. You can read it that way. I'm not sure that that's what he's singing about. But that video is his last public appearance. And he has lesions on his face, which is why he's super pale. Because they put all this pale makeup to cover up all the lesions he had over him. And he's so gaunt. Like, he's so skinny and gaunt that, like, um, it's it's a real hard watch. It's a good video, but it's a real hard watch. And you can tell he's giving it his all and everything. Have you seen the uh, video... And I'm we're dragging this on a long way. <laughs> Fuck but, it, dude. We're in an hour twenty four. Who gives but a shit? <laughs> the other part was uh, the ninety two Barcelona Olympics. No, because he did the. He was dead. He died in ninety one, didn't he? Yeah, but leading up to that, because they were because they knew they were going to do the Barcelona Olympics, he sang the opera. Oh, Barcelona. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have that. Yeah, I have it on CD <sighs> with, uh, he did it with Pavarotti. Yes. Yeah. Well, not Pavarotti. Because uh, it was a female voice. And oh, there's a okay. video and it's. Okay. I have, I have his that fucking too, range. But he also did an album with Pavarotti. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I'm mixing those up, but I do have that Barcelona song. Like, I, I have a. Almost shameful amount of Queen stuff, dude. <laughs> like I, I have every Queen album, um, I except for the stuff where they got singers other than Freddie Mercury. I don't have like with Paul Paul Rogers, Paul Rogers, and uh, uh, what's the most recent one? It was some guy from like American Idol. I don't have any oh, of that. I just uh, can't, Adam Lambert. Yeah, I just can't bring myself to like buy those. I yeah. I feel a little ashamed. Or the shit a, from 90 or uh, 2012 where the Cardi B, or not Cardi B, uh, fuck, what's her name? I should listen to it. I just can't bring myself to. But I also have like, you know, the Brian May song where he's with Dave Grohl doing Have a Cigar. 
That's fucking great. They did that oh, the God. Mission Impossible yeah. TV soundtrack. I have like a bunch of Brian May's solo albums. I have Roger Taylor's solo album. I have um like all of Freddie Mercury's solo albums, which aren't great, to be honest. The operatic stuff is incredible. Not really my cup of tea, but it's pretty good. Although I feel like the music in the background is a little cheesy for the op- operatic singing. The the, very, the background like, stuff is very inferior to what's going on yeah, as far as the very vocals. like eighties like synth stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It doesn't mix with what they're doing. But um, like it was the same. I remember, and we definitely talked about this in the podcast. But when they they finally put out that track where it's Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson playing, and I was like, oh my god! And I listened to it, and I was like, this isn't special. <laughs> it was a real bummer. But he collaborated with a lot of people, and sometimes it worked out really well, and sometimes not so much. You know, sometimes you get under pressure, and sometimes you get whatever the fuck him and Michael Jackson were doing. I don't even know, man. A lot of blow. That's all I can say. <laughs> a lot of drugs. Look, dude, I'm a super fan. I calls them like I sees them. I'd listen to them all. Like they were a band that was like phenomenal out out of the gate, and like hit their peak. From like, I would say, I think A Night at the Opera was like 75. So if that's the case, I would say from 75 until like maybe 80 is like their peak. Like everything they do in between there is like fucking incredible. And then it's kind of hit and miss after that. But yeah. Yeah. Their first album is actually, their first two albums have great moments. Like, I actually really enjoy their first album, but there's no hit on it. Like, Keep Yourself Alive is on there, but that wasn't a hit at the time. It just became a hit on it's classic rock radio. It's a great song. It's a great song. I love that song, dude. I always thought if I did a radio show, that would be my introduction as the guitar at the beginning. And then I would like fade it out and start talking. But I never fucking did that. That's a missed opportunity. Maybe we should start doing that. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> With Bohemian Rhapsody coming out, we'll get sued for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, have we fucked out Queen here? I think we gave it a good 20 minutes. We gave it its due for now. We gave it close to 30 minutes. <laughs> that was why like, I looked and I saw Bohemian Rhapsody and then two other things. And I was like, we're not getting those other two <laughs> things. <laughs> no fucking way. Those can wait till next week with Deadpool too. Eh, it probably won't. <laughs> or not yeah i mean I would, there were, but we're yeah, definitely gonna be talking about some deadpool 2 next week yeah yeah we will <laughs> both have seen deadpool 2 by next week i know some people will have seen it by the time you hear this um it just opened today and we had to podcast today so it, it just wasn't gonna happen yeah so we will have a review next week hopefully everybody will see it um i also have a challenge to you because i'm gonna make an effort to this cobra kai See if you can catch an episode of it. I'm going to try and see at least the first episode. So. I know it just got renewed for a second season. Yeah, and I've been hearing really positive things about it. So I want to see it for myself because Karate Kid, really important thing in my life. Karate Kid 2 and 3, not so much. Next or Karate Kid, reboot. never saw it. Reboot was all right, but it wasn't my cup of tea. But anyway, so 
this is probably a good place to kill it, so take it easy. Respect the outro.
Thank you for listening to the Not Safer Network. Check out one of our many other shows, Charles Orr Horror Show, Geek Lantern's Light, Movies with Wrestlers, Real Roulette, The Alien Movie Project, Montucky Skies, and We Had a Good Life.